What do you mean? What am I doing? I'm, I'm doing the podcast. I'm back, baby. I'm back. And, oh, no, of course, the, the end of the Buffalo Theater History podcast was just the end of the Buffalo Theater History podcast. Now it's back to me interviewing cool people. And boy, have I got a cool guy for you this week. Hey, listen, thanks for coming back. Thanks for listening. If you've been listening to the Buffalo Theater History Podcast, good for you. Good for all of us. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, we'll do some follow-up on it eventually, but right now, it's. Uh, I'm just happy to have it over with and to get back to normal and or whatever my definition of normal usually is. And this week, I've got a great guy for you. This person is a writer, a composer, a musician, a reviewer of music and concerts at the Buffalo News. You've probably guessed who it is. As a matter of fact, I think he might be the only one who's still there at the News. Yes, they have other contributors, but they are like special to the News or contribute something every now and then. Jeff Myers is our guy, and that's who I'm talking to today. And check out this last Thursday's gusto in the Buffalo News. Jeff has a great great column in there about get yourself vaccinated get out and see live music they're depending on us and they're depending on you to do the right thing and get vaccinated so you can get out there and support these musicians who play live and who we've missed for 18 19 months now how do you think they've been surviving they're back and they need your support get your shot get out and see live music and that's what he wrote about this time, as well as telling us where a lot of live music is going to be happening in Buffalo. He also wrote about that. But listen, I got to tell you one other thing. I'm really excited about the fact that the Gusto seems to have made some changes. And within the first four or five pages, they have a page dedicated to theater the way it used to be. Well, it used to be right on the inside page, but at least right at the very beginning of the magazine, they've got a grouping of theater listings right there in the open. In, instead of having to go back and find it alphabetically mixed in with the movies and the nature walk and, and, and the poetry readings and the, the family fun, you see it first thing. So whoever's idea this was to put this back in the gusto and to make it prominent because Buffalo is a theater town, thank you. Thank you, Tony Roberto, if it was you, Tony. Or thank you, Jeff, if you had anything to do with it. So let's get on with it. Let's talk to Jeff Myers, one of my favorite columnists for the Buffalo News. And by the way, if you're not subscribing to the one newspaper in town, do you think maybe you could and support this newspaper? If we lose this newspaper and we lose these columnists, then what the hell do we have? I'll tell you what we have. Nothing. No voice whatsoever. And speaking of voices, here's the voice of Jeff Myers. Welcome to RLTP's Off-Road. I actually have met you, uh, although I'm sure you wouldn't remember, but uh, it was at a Todd Rundgren concert. Uh, wow. At the, <laughs> at the Riviera Theater. What year? And, Do you oh, geez, I don't remember. Let's see, he was at the Riviera, then he was downtown at Canal Side. Uh, yep, so it was pre-that. I, here's what happened, Jeff. I walked up to you and I said, Jeff Myers, very nice to meet you. I really enjoy your column. Okay, thanks. And I walked away. That's awesome. <laughs> well, it's nice to meet you again. And that's the best That's the best kind of hello. I mean, well, that was very well, gracious. <laughs> you know, it's one of those deals where I know, you know, guys don't want to be bothered. People people who are in the public eye, you don't want to be bothered by fans. And I'm, 
and I'm sure you have a lot of them. So it's just... well, no, it's always cool to meet Pete. I mean, that's something that I miss, you know, the most about the past year and a half or oh, whatever. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, most people are really cool. Now, you you're not from here originally, right? You were you were from because you seem like a Buffalo guy, but but you're not. You're from. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. I, I moved here in 1990, August of 1990. So was it yeah, strictly to go to school, to go to uh, to Fredonia? I, I went to Fredonia first. This was after I graduated from Fredonia. Um, people I met there, who are you know still my best friends, were Buffalonians. They introduced me to Buffalo. I came here to join a band and start graduate school at UB at the same time. Oh, um, the, you know the graduate school at UB was just a cover. <laughs> I, I came here to join a band. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you this: Why, why from Dalton, Massachusetts? Yeah. What made you choose Fredonia? It was a music school, and even though um, I majored in English, I wanted to be because I was self-taught. Yeah, me too. Musician. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be around it and pick up everything I could, but I I couldn't go as a music major because. I was completely self-taught and, you know. Um, you probably had to do some kind of music audition, come in and play for us or something. Absolutely. I mean, I would have done that probably, but I just wanted to be around it and absorb as much as I could. And, you know, I mean, I've taught and picked up from great musicians music theory a lot along the way. Sure. But I didn't, you know, I, I didn't formally study it. I just studied it in real life, you know. <laughs> but Fredonia was perfect be to me because... It just seemed like an artsy place, you know, and writing and music is me. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those yeah. are my twin loves. So Fernoni was perfect. But in between there, um, I grew up in the Berkshires, you know, Dalton, really small, pretty rural, beautiful area on the side of a mountain. Uh, I still miss it. But in between when I was like 12 to until like, you know, college time. We were in the Capital District, like Saratoga Springs kind of region. Mm -hmm. My parents moved there. So, and that was a beautiful area, but not, you know, the suburbs were not my thing. So I, I was anxious to get out and kind of escape that. And Fredonia was, was a place to do that for sure. Do you still have family back in Dalton or in the Massachusetts area? Some in Massachusetts, but uh, no. Spread, spread around the country now, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me, let me ask you about where did the interest in music first come from? It, it, it wasn't the Beatles. That was, you, you're a little late on that, but but maybe it was. Maybe you heard it in your house. Maybe maybe your parents were deep mm. into it. It was 100% the Beatles' Let It Be album is my first memory that I can really recall because that came out in 1970. I was like, yeah, it was like... Before, right before I turned three, but <laughs> th this sounds crazy. But my parents had that home, and they weren't they they liked music, they had good taste, but they weren't like massive collectors or music freaks. But when that album came out, they played it a lot, and that is my first. That was just it for me. But it, I can really recall specifically like four albums of maybe the thirty that they had, and one was Let It Be. Uh, the other was Miles Davis' Greatest Hits. Wow. Yeah, and, and, the, and the other, two of the others were Simon and Garfunkel, Bridge Over Troubled Water, and uh, Paul Simon's first solo album. Uh, uh, so did, these are did, some of my favorite records still, but I, that was it. I, I just, in front of the stereo before I could walk, you yeah, know, yeah. and it never went away. <laughs> Your parents weren't musicians, though, no? Not, no, not at all. They just no. were music 
they just enjoyed music and had they liked around. music yeah my mom was a teacher my dad worked for general electric you know um two sons and we're both musicians and music freaks but it's, oh is that right yeah your brother also yes my my older my brother's two years older so you said you were self-taught so how did that come about meet up with a bunch of guys and say show me some chords put your fingers this way totally <laughs> Yeah. Totally. It was, you know, my parents are awesome people. They were not hugely supportive of the music thing. They just were like, you know, you should be a teacher or, you know, a doctor or, you know, more conventional. They're right, very yeah. cool, but I'm not, I'm not trying to diss them in any way. Oh, but no. Everybody's parents, everybody who ever went into music has parents like that. Yeah. You know, my, except I, for my son. He had the opposite. He had no. absolutely 100% you're supported hey, look by both happened. his parents. Yeah, hey, look right. yeah, I want to talk about Declan oh, okay. later. Oh, cool. Because I watched a little of his playing, and, and holy cow. Uh, I was a bass player back in like the, the late 60s, early 70s, and uh, I was pretty damn good at the time, but... Awesome. He he blows me away. He, he's he's amazing. Anyway, off on the I'm jumping there. around there, but, <laughs> but yeah, they didn't. So it it was a real struggle for me to get my hands on on an instrument to really learn. They finally uh, succumbed and you know got sort of like the equivalent of this sort of Sears Roebuck catalog imitation. The silver uh, tone. Gibson melody. Yeah, it was like a silver tone, but it was like a no-name <laughs> imitation of like a Le Gibson Les Paul Jr. Yes, oh, yes, yes. <laughs> I love, I mean, I would just like, just hold it and stare at it. You know? But it, it, it's probably a typical story. Older kid across the street in the suburbs was a really, really good guitarist. Same here. Turned me on to all the stuff. He would. I. It started where I was like kind of creeping around and sitting outside his window on the lawn listening to him play. <laughs> so, come on in, kid. He'd let me watch. He'd answer all my ridiculous questions, and then he would lend me albums. I mean, and this just, bam. You know, I mean, it was so cool. So that that started a kind of long-term relationship there until he moved away. But I learned from watching him. And just listening to records and needle back over and over, over and over and over again. Yeah. And then my folks were like not into it because it was just such an obsession that I ended up like buying equipment through a paper route, but storing it at a friend's garage because my dad at that point was like, not, <laughs> no, I am not encouraging this one I'm bit, not a bit. So <laughs> it was like, in a way it, it made me want it even more. Right. Because I had to do so much to get it. It was so hard to get to get the equipment, then to have to, you know, sneak out and play at a friend's house whose parents were cool with it. So how quickly did you get into a, a band? But by the time I was 15, we were a band, you know, and, it, and of course at that point it was bad, like, well, early metal kind of stuff, you know, because it was like doing Black Sabbath covers or whatever, early Iron Maiden, because yeah. at the time you could do it. You could figure these tunes out and just play them over and over and over again until they resembled something sort of like music. Right. There was only one or two chords in, in Black Sabbath, so you... Sure, I mean, you know, you can play Paranoid, you can just practice. And we'd yeah. play them and play them, and then we would write some really bad originals that, you know, attempted to be progressive rock, because we were all into, like, Yes and Genesis, too. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, of my course. favorite. Yeah. Love, oh, love, love, yeah, yeah. love, love. But now, did you did you start out playing rhythm guitar, lead guitar, bass guitar? Both, guitar, both. Because you got another investment if you got to go buy a bass. Right, no, yeah, my, that fell to my brother. He, he became the bass player. Um, 
Yeah, so guitar, and you know, it's just an absolute obsession, and it took a long time to get any good, but it should take a long time to get right. any good. you got to want it. You know? That's right, that's right. So, yeah, so high school bands turned into college bands, but, but when I got to Fredonia and I met people from Buffalo who were just serious musicians. Like, uh, my friend Nelson Starr was my college roommate, you know, and serious jazz musician already at that point but who also had a band here in Buffalo, you know, during the summers that ended mm -hmm. up being called The Tales, and it was the band I ended up joining when I moved here. But I learned so much from being around Nelson because just music theory just dripped out of him. Yeah, he was such a great pianist, great guitarist, great bass player and singer. And, you know, I loved jazz, but now I was learning, like, why I loved jazz, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I never became, like, some hot jazz musician. That was That's still the goal, you know? But <laughs> it was just such an eye-opening thing to see this world of music open up, you know, from being around great musicians. And he was a, he was a, a, a studied musician, right? I mean, yeah. he's what I call a real musician because... A real they, musician, uh, right, could, yeah. Those, a... The guys who can read music... This is one of my retirement. One of my retirement goals is to learn how to read. I mean, I know how to read music. You yeah. give it to me and give me about two days. I right. can figure things. You're talking out. about sight reading on the, on uh, the bandstand. Yeah, I scary. Want able, I want to be able to. A good friend of mine is a has an 18 piece big band, and he, he just brings guys in one night and they sit down and they play. And I'm oh, thinking, yeah. what? It's it's amazing to me to be able to read music the way I read your column in the paper it, it it's it's amazing it's it's, it's it, I, i'm always humbled i admire by, i admire it greatly too i'm like you yeah, i can read it i cannot i will not sight read on on stage or anything like that a, <laughs> oh, no. a chord sheet maybe like right, uh, yeah. okay just yell out, the chords. Right, right. yell out the chords to me are we going c a minor fg or what exactly that's a whole that's a different thing than you know jazz obviously or yeah. Serious, serious, serious stuff. You know, yeah. I mean, rock rock music is serious too, but it's a different thing. Did, so, but you didn't go to Fredonia for music, as you said. Because you, you went as an English major. I went as an English major. Yeah, not even journalism. I mean, straight up literature, like reading and writing. You know, minored in creative writing. Something else we have in common. I was yeah, also cool. an English major at, at Canisius. Then I became a high school English teacher, so that's one fate you have avoided, uh, my friend. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm teaching. Um, uh, as an adjunct instructor, uh, a class at Fredonia this this semester, so that's been pretty wild. I mean, it's it's, it's like this. It's via Zoom. Um, Are you doing it uh, uh, on journalism? It's called arts journalism. Yeah, cool, very so, cool. And it, I just kind of designed a curriculum. Um, my friend who teaches there, Elmer Plotz, is on sabbatical, so I'm kind of filling in. But I love it. I always wanted to do it. You know? So, so at what at what point did your writing? Because as I said, you know, I graduated with an English degree because I was told, you know, by my advisor, oh, oh, English, you could do anything with English. You, you could. You, and of course, you get out of school and you think, well, well holy, I, I can't do anything with English. You can work at a record store. That's what I did. <laughs> but how did it morph into journalism and, and, and writing? Well, we'll get into that. But I mean, how did it morph from English into journalism? Or was that always in the back of your head? I'm, I'm a bad, you know, my relationship with, quote, journalism, at least as it's taught, um, yeah. 
is a somewhat uh, fractured one. <laughs> well, did you then go and take journalism? Because I know you also... I took one journalism to... class. Okay. I, um, UB, I, Buff I, State? Uh... This was at Fernonia, actually. Oh, Fernonia, okay. And I didn't like it because I'm like, oh, I get it. So the idea is to take out all the good words. <laughs> and tell the story in the most dry and boring. Now, <laughs> having grown up since, I very much respect straight reporting. It's a hugely important thing. But sure. I don't, it's not me. You know, no. for me, writing is exactly like music making, either composing or improvisation. They both should be in it. And for me, and and that's what I, that's how I approach it, because arts journalism, at least, should be, Artistic? I don't know. <laughs> what a crazy idea. <laughs> I know, I'm out on a limb here. You really? <laughs> but I, how did it happen? So I always read like crazy, and the big, you know, big one for me was reading Norman Mailer's The Armies of the Night when I was very young, like 10, because my mom just let, took me to the library and, and I could grab whatever I wanted. I don't think I was quite ready for that, but maybe <laughs> I was. But I loved the mixture of sort of reporting, cultural commentary, and improvisation that was part of it. And then I, you know, I loved Hunter Thompson, minus the massive amount of drugs, um, <laughs> and reading people like Lester Bangs and, and, and Cream Magazine. And, and I just, you know, I loved all of that. And it seemed to me that it had a lot of personality, you know. Mm -hmm. So that was where I was coming from. And journalism didn't seem like the path to that to me to me it was just like about reading books and listening to music constantly and theater and all of it you know just being into the arts and wanting to wanting to share experience more than straight reporting yeah you know, if that yes. makes sense and, and as you said you know the reporters an incredibly important job oh <laughs> i think i think the past five years or so have really shown us that uh, and that's uh, for sure. more respect than ever for people do that mm -hmm. and i can you know i can do it but that's part of the gig but yeah. my my soul whatever the expression of it is is writing a column a review or um, a sort of narrative feature narrative that has all that in it so how did you get to the opportunity to do that did you start at a college paper did you go to buffalo spree right away or so i started freelancing for what it was actually called metro weekend then i think the first thing i ever had published was 19 93 and i just freelanced wherever i could mm -hmm. eventually became the editor-in-chief of what was then called buffalo beat uh, which is an alternative news weekly buffalo um, beat and, yeah and yeah. it was like uh, you know eventually devoured by art voice you know sure um, this is still 90s and then purchased by the people who own buffalo spree it I then see. became Blue Dog Press. I was still editor of that. And in between there, we started um, a monthly glossy zine called Rockstar Magazine that was like a, a blend of um, local and national, you know, all music coverage. <clears throat> my wife uh, it was the art director for that. It was not my wife then. but um, <laughs> Were you playing out? Were and you, in playing out, yeah. Because always. you had to be making money somewhere else. Oh, yeah, There's... no, this, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that kind of freelancing costs money, you know, <laughs> just like playing in a band. I worked in a record store, really. I mean, I worked at record theater throughout almost all of that. Okay. Um, start <clears throat> in the warehouse and then became manager of their store on transit. So, yeah, in between all that, I, you know, I, I was playing full-time in this band, The Tales, still. I mean, we were recording throughout the 90s, some touring, and really, at that point, 
trying to get a record deal, you know? I mean, that's, I see. this is before you didn't want a record deal where it was totally DIY. Then you needed one, you know? And this was like after the Goo's, Goo Goo Dolls kind of broke big and bands in Buffalo really believed that there was a shot for them. It was a shot. Yeah. Via that route. We went at it hard for like 12 years and, and then it, you know, okay, well, you give it your best shot, you know, it's not like you're yeah. not going to play anymore. But you have to do other things. Just as an aside, I should tell you, I was talking to Jay Desiderio the other night. Yeah. And he remembered you well from the old Impacts. Yeah. Where, man, where I, I performed on stage as well, but in plays. And uh, he said, oh, yeah, the tails. Yeah, they, they opened for somebody. I can't, he couldn't yeah. remember where. But he had, We opened a lot there, and the Desiderios <laughs> were great to us, too. Yeah, he had, he had very fond memories of, of you and, and the tails. Oh, that's so cool. Well, we yeah. have the same. We absolutely do. Yeah, we... Open for Cheap Trick there and the Tea Party, Steve Hackett. There wow. were a bunch of really, really cool shows there. <laughs> and those guys were always really good to us. They liked us. So it was cool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Did this, all of these other zines and so on, the, the zines that you were doing, yeah. did they morph into a job for Buffalo Spree or? Or were you working for Buffalo Spree, or was it just not in, directly? I mean, no, they owned. Um, they owned it. They owned Blue. They bought Buffalo Beat, renamed it. I see. Blue Dog yeah. Press. Yeah. Um, and that went on for a year and a half before eventually they kind of sold it to Art Voice and kind of killed that area of the business. And during all this time, I would always reach out to the Buffalo News and try to get some kind of in there. Mm-hmm. But this is funny because at this point, Declan had just been born. Kim and I were married, and we were both working for... She was a designer for Buffalo Spree and designing. So we were both there. Mm -hmm. And right when I was about to lose my job, Margaret Sullivan finally called me. Wow. And I, you know, I'd given up kind of expecting it, but I kept doing it. And she just called and said, I think we should meet and talk. And I said, I think we should be talked to. <laughs> I've thought that for several years. <laughs> so long story, well, long story, not that short. But in 2002, you know, I started at the news January 2002. Yeah. And, and was right from the very beginning, had you thought to yourself, uh, this, this kind of arts writing is something that I really feel is, is, is my calling? I always did consider myself a musician first, but, you know, then after I became a father, I'm like, well, I'm a father first. Right. So right. I will do whatever I need to do. And it was music and writing for me were like always so much the same, you know, and I'm the same part of me that they come from. It's art the way you write, of course. As, oh, and again, right. not not to diss what they say, what reporters do. But no, not yeah. I want to make know, that clear. I have, clear. I've just always enjoyed your writing. Here's another aside, because I remember also writing to you. At one point, the Buffalo News was having trouble with with make, making a contract or something. Not yes. the most recent trouble. No, we'll get yeah. into that later. Yeah. But 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 and I remember writing and saying. The columnists, the local columnists, are the reason why I still subscribe to the paper news, because I don't, I don't give a damn what Associated Press says or the New York Times. I get the Times on Sunday. I'm fine right. with that. Yeah. But I want to hear what the local guys 
even even Jerry Sullivan. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Hell even, yeah. <laughs> I want to hear what that I crazy guy has to say. Right. I mean, you know, the personality, right? You exactly. Know. Uh, the personality and the local take. Uh, you know, uh, well, anyway, th that's another time. That well, we certainly appreciate you, and you are the dream reader. You know what I mean? <laughs> you are. Well, I, unfortunately, I'm, you know, I'm of a, an older generation, and that's what's, that's the problem. It's, but, it's uh, one of them. <laughs> it's, it's one of the problems. We, we could talk about the news shortly, but now I got to ask a little bit about how you do this job, because I don't know when the hell you find the time or the interest to write about so many genres of music and not just music, but you, other aspects of the arts as well. This past weekend, you had a, an article in, I mean, a, a column in about the theater season yeah. reopening yeah. Uh, as carefully as we're going to try to reopen. Yes. So you've got all of this, you must listen to music constantly. Yeah. So do you have constantly labels sending you now it would be digital uh, uh, links to, to music. How does it work? How I mean, do you it, initially, constantly listening to music? Con yeah, constantly. But, I mean, I was doing that anyway. I'd really built up my library of vinyl and CDs and every other medium. Just ask my wife. It's everywhere. Um, <laughs> anyway, independently on my own. And then... Once I got to the news, I mean, in 2002, yeah, I mean, oh, Lord, I mean, it would be a stack of, of CDs at that point, weekly. And, oh, man, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, you know, they stopped. I mean, that started to dry up because they just didn't want to send out, you know, physical product anymore. Right, um, right. Somewhat understandable, but not really. Um, concurrently with that, you started to see at newspapers album reviews, book reviews, mm -hmm. a lot of concert reviews, not being prioritized so much. Yes. This is just heartbreaking, but, you know, so, I mean, concurrently, now they send streams, to answer your, your question. Um, yeah. And that's cool, and, you know, with, with streaming, and you can, f yeah, good Lord, I just go on Apple Music or Spotify, and it's like a complete encyclopedia of the world's music sitting there. Right. So it, it's it's easier to do your own exploring. Now, in a way, maybe it's harder because there's no centrality to it all. But if you're deep into music, you can just you follow the breadcrumbs. I mean, it's what I've been doing since I can remember. <laughs> so you get a bunch of these... I mean, I, 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 here's the way I imagine it happens. You You just keep listening and listening and listening, and every now and then something really triggers something in you yeah. and you say this i'm going to write about this one yeah. uh, nobody's heard of these guys or or haven't heard from them in a long time and all of a sudden you just get an idea that this is what i want to write about or this is this this one deserves a review because yeah. yeah. there, there has to be so much there's so much but it's all wide range it's everything from jazz to classical yeah and i love all of it you try to you know you try to pick a representative cross-section of things that matter or that are adding to the culture in some fashion whether that's like metal hip-hop classical jazz pop music straight up pop music whatever um there's interesting stuff you know things happening in all of it and with limited amounts of space and ability to cover it you just try to pick something that's somewhat representative or if you're like this means something to me i think it'll mean something to others mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. have you ever had an act that you feel like you helped them break Maybe regionally. I yeah. mean, 
I've heard, I, I don't know. That's, I'm not going to try to take credit for anything <laughs> like that. But I do, you know. Well, that you're proud that, that, you know, yeah, I was there at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, there's there's some of that. There has been some of that. Um, and that's been kind of cool, you know. I mean, even even if you didn't help break them, you spoke to maybe an underserved audience that really cares about this stuff that mainstream press just wasn't bothering to cover other than maybe making fun of it or mm-hmm. ignoring it. Right. That's more meaningful to me. It was, it'd be great to hear from bands and, you know, people who were heroes of mine on occasion saying, I, I read this and appreciate you, you know, your thoughtfulness on this, whatever it is, you know, mm-hmm. and I have some of those saved from a few people that blew my mind and, and it's nice. You know. that, that is nice. It has to be some sense of pride that you, you recognized it before the whole, you know, the whole area did or, or the whole world did in some cases. Yeah. Then, I mean, maybe I heard but, this. Yeah. But even more importantly, it was feeling hearing back from people here who read it and it meant something to either I didn't know about this and reading something you wrote about it made me explore it and now it's something that means a lot to me or mm-hmm. just it already meant a lot to me but I felt a sense of connection because you wrote about it you know and no one really writes about this things like that right, that, right. that's meaningful you know those things and it mean. is meaningful as I said to you a few minutes ago that, that it's a local guy writing about this I'll give you a perfect example I was reading uh Buffalo Spree, and and I don't remember the person who was writing, but he he wrote a review of the new uh, uh, Tommy Z album. And I thought, well, you know what? I'm going to give this a listen. And so I bought it, It you know, on Apple. Because because you you get, it's like you get a recommendation from a friend or a recommendation from somebody out of New York City is not the same. You know, it's it's not the same as getting a recommendation. No, it's a good point. And I was happy to see that, you know, I haven't had, especially with COVID, a lot of my job became covering how the pandemic has affected sure all our all of our lives and right. all of this industry that is our life livelihood and passion mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so yeah, it's okay. like that became its own beat in a way you know so things like the tommy z i'm really i was really happy to see that that got covered and that the, my friend michael actually wrote that very cool piece but yeah, I mean, I feel really bad when I can't do, but we'll get to that maybe if you want to talk about any of this. <laughs> well, because you spent most of your time, I shouldn't say most of your time, but most of your columns were reviewing live acts and and that disappeared for 19 months or 18, yeah. 19 months. Then, uh, well, I don't want to spend too much time down in the in, in the dumps with you. No, not at all. <laughs> can, can I just ask you again, so what's your process? when you Let's say you, you listen to a bunch of these streams and you say... Uh, this one triggers something in you. Is yeah. that fair enough to say? Yeah. And th- and then more often than not, it's really subconscious. Like I just feel like this needs to be dealt with. We got to. Wow. This is important. Okay. This feels important. People will care about it, or if they don't, they should. You know, like I mean, <laughs> that that sounds like that didn't come out the way I meant it to. But yeah, there's some of that. Like this this is important. I want to write about it. Do sometimes um, things strike you with a certain angle, or uh, you know, I can see an angle on this that I can write about. There's something they're doing here that's that's more important than just with with feature stories, more so than just you know reviews. Um, mm-hmm. With a feature story, if you see like person X is doing this, well, this ties in. This means something because you know, and and maybe it's tied to a a, a broader trend. Maybe it means something really, really significant locally. Maybe it's just a voice that should be celebrated. 
those things, like, they, it just kind of happens quick, I guess, at this point, without me really, I don't sit down and go, I need to find something that will do Some this. angle. Yeah, yeah, you can just, it could be as simple as someone reached out to me, I'm like, what a cool story. And then, you know, I'll, I'll think of, I'm always looking for context or, or hoping that a context suggests itself, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's when you know it's like okay, this this is that you know without you having to force it in you know you're into some pre-existing story arc in your mind, just being able to see like this isn't just this this means this you know, right? When the, those moments are the ones where you're like this is story. I, I hope my editors like the idea and they're <laughs> generally incredibly supportive. You know. Yeah. In normal times, again, was it difficult or did you just love every minute of having to go out and? see so many live acts all the time you must have been busy like three or four times a week going yeah. out and, and was that well i never stopped i never stopped playing either so combined yeah. with going out to, that was my to, next question yeah it was it's amazing but yeah it took a toll i mean i had a young child and a new marriage you know sure. i mean it was hard it was hard on kim for sure it was really hard on me it was tiring but yeah. it was amazing too and i so it's both the most difficult part and the best part of your job, I guess. Yeah, and it, it is amazing. I, I will tell you, though, this, this enforced time off is, you know, you, you look for moments of reevaluation. Mm-hmm. I like my house. I haven't seen it much. <laughs> <laughs> I like my recording studio that I would never end, you know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was it was the best and the, and the hardest because – love it and I feel I felt a real responsibility because I'd gotten that job and there you know there's only one daily paper in Buffalo and I felt it was a, a position that came with some responsibility to probably because I'm both in the world and trying to cover that world I, I know that it's important that these things get covered you know this might be impossible to answer but did you actually decide for yourself what you were favorite genre to cover is is it i mean obviously it's rock music to some degree but i mean do you have a soft spot in your in your heart for alternative or for progressive or for i don't know r&b or is it just all a mishmash of you just love it all everything you just mentioned yes i have a <laughs> huge soft spot for you know I love classic R&B. I definitely try to stay attuned to changes in modern R&B and hip hop. Um, I really legitimately care about all these musics and and listen to them for my personal enjoyment often, you know. Yeah. I mean, I I was a a Beatles kid that then turned into, you know, a progressive rock kid. Mm -hmm. No question. I mean, Mm -hmm. the stuff I was into, yes, Rush. Peter Gabriel era Genesis that that evolved into alternative music, you know, then REM and U2 and the Smiths and all this stuff, you know, obviously we're all kind of the, the time we live through. And then grunge came and, all, you know, for all these things are just hugely like feel personal to me. Yeah. Um, your bands, your, your more recent bands, again, before the end times, your more recent bands were, were more... What alternative were they more heavy metal? The were tale, they... no, not really. I never really played, you know, there's elements of, of heaviness in it, but I've never been like metal, you know, playing strictly metal. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
Well, after the Tails were like a, a alternative slash yes. progressive kind of band. Okay. But we fit, you know, we fit into that. And then I played with Terry Sullivan for several years, like right after that, uh, right when I was starting at the news and all of that. And that was more like Black Crow's kind of rock and roll sort of thing. And then in between, I've done my own things and freelanced a lot, started, you know, freelancing a bit as a bass, lately getting calls from like Grateful Dead bands around town to be, you know, a freelance bassist. Like that whole rotating pool of musicians is fun. And it was a challenge for me on a a newer instrument, but no, no one genre really. I mean, I spent the pandemic making my own. This is my first album that I'm putting out under my own name. Um, Oh, cool. All down here and collaborating, you know, remotely with different singers, but I did all the music and yeah, I don't know. It doesn't fit in neatly into one thing so much, you know. <laughs> but then again, neither does most of the music I really care about. You know, it's a little bit of all of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was long-winded. Did it answer the question? At yeah, all? I think so. <laughs> okay. I, think, I think so. Give well, me about we, a B minus on that one. <laughs> I, I would lean. I would give you a little bit more generous on that. <laughs> <laughs> so if you had your druthers, you'd be out playing a lot. I, I would imagine. I mean, if yeah, and were... I haven't. I mean, I played two gigs this summer. And there have been a lot of other ones that I've turned down. I mean, we're really erring on the side of... Of caution, of course. Huge caution, and I have, you know, very compromised parents that I don't want, you know. I mean, these these are just realities. I respect everyone's decision to deal with it how they wanted to, but boy, do I miss playing. Yeah. Well, listen, I I do want to talk a little bit about your son, because I I caught a video of him playing, and uh, your son, Declan... He's out at Berkeley now? He it, No, he's in Los Angeles. So okay, okay. Like actually, you know, is playing. He, and Is he recording with, with different bands, or does he have a, a singular band that he's playing with? He's, he's doing sessions um, and and doing freelance gigs. The artist that he works with, uh, Mac Ayers, has, you know, they were, they've lost the two summers of touring now, but sure, they're sure. still, you know, they're still together and in between all that Declan is is he's got good studio work some interesting stuff with different artists in the works which is exciting and really cool <laughs> and he's probably he's probably trained to read music as well right yeah totally I mean the Berkeley thing was he was on a fast track so he graduated from um perform at Buffalo Performing Arts a mm-hmm. year early and got the full scholarship to Berkeley and then he went. The, he only went there for two years before. It was like, all right, well, it's time to go to LA. I gotta, you know. He'd been hired <laughs> by Mac. They were going on the road. Wow. They moved to LA. It all happened so quick, and so many cool things were going on. And then pandemic eventually came home and lived with us for a year. Mm-hmm. Well, there's and another, he's back another silver lining to the oh, yeah. pandemic. You yeah, there's there been a couple. You know, not many. I don't like to, you know, because for so many people, it's been it's, nothing but horrible. But right, right, right. We all know that, but. Yeah, so he's back out there and things are opening up and picking up again, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I, I hope for and also fear, you know, but, you know, you're was a parent, he, you get it. Yeah, was your dad, excuse me, What were you as a dad allowing your son to come to your gigs and things really early on so he got oh, the yeah. bug? Totally, I mean, he, it was always going to be open to him, you know, I yeah. mean, he would come, he'd be... You know, Kim holding him while we're playing outdoors. You know, I mean, he he doesn't recall a world where that wasn't happening. You know? Yeah, yeah. Then again, he never forced it, but it was like doors open, and 
we never had to force it. He was just all in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and aside from loving music, I'm sure Kim has no musical ambitions. She doesn't have like musical ambitions, but she's very musical. Mm. Really, really, very cool pianist who who writes her own things and is now recording, you know, too. Oh, cool. Well, so she does. She never had ambitions to be in front of people, but she's very musical and has been a musician probably as long as I have. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, well the, 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 so the kid had. <laughs> it was around. Let's just. It was around. Yeah. Somebody that's... said, "Well, he grew up in a basically a music, you know, like a guitar store slash music uh, museum, you know." <laughs> but it was always here, and and I, obviously a huge joy to me that that he was into it, and, oh. and that he got left me behind rather quickly. You know? Well, you have every right to be proud. I mean, it, it that's that's what we all hope for for our kids is that they, they're all kids. Yeah. That they just. Uh, Take at least one step, uh, you know, above what what we what we've been able to do. I should, you know, this is a really an aside here, but I I have to ask you, the the vinyl happy hour. Yeah. Wh- wh- whose idea was that, and why? It was it was it was my idea to do the vinyl happy hour. I, I just want to be totally accurate about it. So how did it was uh, one of my editor my boss's idea to do a kind of public interaction type of thing okay that involved me mm-hmm. and, my, and then after that it was my idea to do what if we did you know what if we spun vinyl talked about it and then had local musicians you know like a play. curated yeah yeah play that music so i that was my idea and then asking <laughs> anita west to be involved too because well what a great personality and a lover of music you know. oh um, that's yeah it's a that cool thing idea was amazing. it was it's been so amazing and rewarding and yeah, I miss it. But we did do one outdoor one this summer, mm-hmm. and that was really fun. But that thing has been great. And the idea of it is to, you know, connect with the community, but also to really celebrate the level of musicianship in this town. I mean, uh, do you and, call together the musicians? I mean, yeah. do, you, do, you, do you pick a drummer and a bassist or whatever? And, and nine say, times, okay. I mean, nine times out of ten. Occasionally it would be, well, these people, like, already have a, a, an ensemble that, does this music all the time okay like um say past masters that does the beatles did some Beatles yes. stuff for us and mm-hmm. you know i didn't need to pick anybody it was done but the general <laughs> idea of that was to through declan and through my own experience across a couple decades now i know people in a lot of different sort of genres or whatever that don't necessarily play together and you know declan because he played in a, a black baptist church in buffalo you know we we connected with a part of the community that maybe a lot of other people haven't who live in various parts of buffalo and try to put those people together to set to share this common like thing music you know this language that's like the most rewarding part of it it's been so cool and out of that came some bands that are playing around now like who really who i know the first time they actually played together was for Augusto Vinyl Happy Hour. That's cool. Yeah, I love I love that. <laughs> well, it, it's a cool idea, and, and of course, my my thought when I'm when I'm reading about it, I'm going, well, now who organizes this and who brings the band together and who chooses the musicians and then when do they rehearse? How much do they rehearse? And, you know, it's usually who one chooses rehearsal. The music? One rehearsal right here. <laughs> Bang. Um, we're, we're right up in front. Yeah, of the crowd. everyone, you know, everyone's a professional, so you got to kind of. 
come ready, right? Oh, and they yeah. all, and they all, you know, that pretty much everyone does, and it's just it's been really cool. Ton of work. I mean, that could be a full time job, even though it's sure. once a month. That that's what I'm thinking when I read about it. I think, oh, holy cow, this is a huge undertaking. I mean, because it's not just sitting. It's not just you and Anita playing records and, and no. you know and talking about them. No, there's a whole live. Usually, I'm playing too. I mean, right? You know, I'm usually in the band. Um, yeah. Oh. And not to be self in any way selfish about it, but often I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to play this, you know. <laughs> and I know I can run the rehearsal and get everyone together because I might be the common thing, you know, that everyone knows me but may not know each other. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's it's to facilitate it is my job, you know. And the musician in me is very happy to get to play with all these great people all the time too. I'll bet. I'll bet. And I'm sure it's going to come back. I, yeah. You know, I'm I'm very optimistic. I know. I'm optimistic too. I'm not eager to go inside small spaces right now, but I know. Just very quickly, and I promise I'll let you go. You've, oh no! You've been very generous, but uh, this morning I got really depressed when I opened up my Buffalo News and the gusto was 12 pages long. Yeah. And um, I've almost been using that as a meter. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I, I, this this podcast will be the first podcast after my series about the history of Buffalo Theater. Yeah. And it was an eight-part series. And at one point, I spoke to Terry Doran, yeah. who you may or may not remember. And Terry, remember. it was his idea to start the Gusto, his and another gentleman yeah. whose name I forgot. Uh, and he told me at one point, it was 48 pages long. All right. 48 freaking pages. And I... And of course, during the depths of the pandemic, it you know it dwindled way down, and then it was up to it was twelve, then it was fourteen, then it was sixteen, and this week it's back down to twelve again. And I thought, oh man, I I don't know if that means anything, or maybe it's just short on advertisers. I don't know what, but well, I, I don't want to get it, it, but it depressed me to find that it that depresses me too. <laughs> I'm with you. Can I can I ask you without getting into any kind of trouble? Because I know uh, for a while I got sick and tired of reading uh, news music reviewer, uh, news sports columnist right. instead of your names. And I know that there was a situation where everybody sort of withheld their names. What's the situation? At the, I know everybody's back now, but yeah. what's the situation at the news regarding you guys, the columnists, the people who we love to read? Well, in general, we have a three-year contract now. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go into the details of it, really, because it's not for me to say, but it, it was a lot better than it could have been mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. a lot better than it was looking like it was going to be. And, our, you know, the Buffalo Newspaper Guild, our union, did an incredible job bargaining. Um, this is a three-year contract, so the people who are full-time columnists and, and writers there, barring any, like, I don't even want to say it, but any further huge catastrophe, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be here. Um, okay. Now, but that's the broader answer. The the more particular answer to your observations about gusto have to do with a, what you you know is a national trend, which is away from the arts. Yeah, like I'm it now. We have yeah. we have a food writer, uh, an excellent one, Andrew. Um, yep. There are some lifestyles writers. There's a few freelancers for gusto. Most of my stuff is now Gusto Sunday. You know, I, I do feature, but I'm, you know, I would, 
my title is music critic. I'm also now arts columnist. I'm writing about theater or the arts mm -hmm. in general mm -hmm. all the time. One person can't cover the rich art scene in Buffalo. No. Now, you know, and there's a lot of people writing about the Bills who I love and I'm super excited about too, like <laughs> everyone too. else with a heartbeat. But this is an old story. Yeah. and But it's got new implications because who's going to do, you know, I mean, it's, it's important. Our culture is very, it's been under, you know, attack for so long and we need to protect, nourish, feed and help it grow and tell the stories of, you know, people in this community, which is a far broader community than I think a lot of people think it is. Mm -hmm. So that sounded like proselytizing, but yeah, I mean, so when I look at 12 pages and, you know, the, the editor of Gusto and looks at 12 pages, it's heartbreaking for all of us. Yeah. It's yeah. really heartbreaking to me because I really care about it. <laughs> and it's even more heartbreaking when you read through it and you find out that even the movie reviews, they're all from out of town, the Chicago mm -hmm. Tribune or so-and-so. There's no one... There's just no one, you know. I used to love to read Jeff Simon every me now too. and then. I, I used uh, to love to read those guys. My buddy, he was a mentor to me. He was yeah. my friend. You know, because even, even if, even if you didn't agree with him, you could appreciate his his. Well, I could anyway. Yeah. Appreciate his writing skills, yeah. which is what something that I've I've always and again I, I don't mean to blow smoke here, but I've just so enjoyed your writing. It, it, no matter what you're writing oh, well, about. That's super kind of you. No, it's not. I mean, it's, it's, I really have enjoyed reading your writing. It, it's not just, it's just always, always a joy to read. I never miss one of the columns. Awesome. Uh, it, it may Thank go in you. one ear and out the other, but <laughs> it's awesome. But, but I, listen, I got to ask you one last question. Yeah. This is called my off road question. Let yeah. me take you off road for a second. I like it there. And, and ask you, if you weren't in music, if you weren't doing music, what else might you be doing? So, yeah. What else might you have an interest in? I've had people say things like, I would have been a priest. I would have That's been awesome, a dear. football player. I would, have, I would have gone into, my favorite one was I would have, uh, I, I've always wanted to do murder investigations. Wow, that's super cool. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I guess I can't say writing because I'm doing writing. You um, are writing, yeah. Again, yeah, it's so hard to get away from these, but... Uh, Take your time. I I would love to teach. I would love to be a counselor. No kidding. Yeah, those are things that I always inter have been interested in. Or, you know, um, buy a piece of land and learn how to take care of it and just forget about all this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> get yourself a farm down there in Ellicottville. Get it together in the country, man. We're going to oh. get it together in the country. Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, as I told you, one of my earliest memories is music, and I just can't imagine being without it. Your life without it. Yeah. But serving people somehow, some doing some sort of civic duty, yeah, you know, I was raised to think that way, so that's that's a tribute to my parents. That's a wonderful tribute, and again, even though we're a generation apart, I feel like you know I'm a child of the '60s. My daughter was raised that way. She's still trying to change the world. I don't know if she's going to succeed. I told her she's going to be disappointed because I've been but nothing. Keep going. I've been nothing but disappointed <laughs> yeah. with my what my generation has done. We were going to be the love and peace generation, and look what the hell we did. Um, Some good. So oh. good. You're a good man. It's very obvious. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, Jeff. Jeff Myers, it has been a, a real pleasure and an honor having Peter, you talk to me today. Absolutely, my honor. I, I hope uh, you know. I I hope I can see you in person soon. If not, it will happen eventually. It and will. Uh, 
I will walk up to you again and say, I really enjoy your column, and I'll let you go now, and boom, and I'm out of your way, and let's go watch Todd. <laughs> Maybe it'll be at a Rundgren show again. That would be even cooler. <laughs> if not, I have I have a lot of faith in 2022. So Me too. Me too. I'll, Although I'll I, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't see you at the Todd Rundgren uh, virtual concert in Buffalo. <laughs> I was watching it. Uh, so was I. Right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going, that looks like the interior of Shays. How do they do that? That, <laughs> that was very fun, too. It was fun. Well, Jeff be Myers, safe and yeah, reach out if much. there's anything else. Really, really cool to talk to you. It was, it was my pleasure. Uh, and, and you take care of yourself. Take care of your wife and your family and your parents. And, yeah. and my best to everybody. Thanks, man. It's a pleasure, Peter. Hope to read you again soon. You will. Take care, sir. Bye-bye. Yes, yes, I know the sound quality was bad. I know, I know, mostly, mostly my sound quality. But you people should be used to that by now. There was, I did something wrong during the Zoom session. I held the microphone too close to my mouth. I used the wrong microphone. I don't know. It's been a long time since I've done these traditional podcast interviews, and I screwed it up. So I apologize for the sound quality in the Jeff Myers interview. But wasn't that an interesting interview? He is a really interesting guy. And he's got his own music coming out. So, you know, look for that coming up soon. I don't know if it's going to be called the Jeff Myers Band or the Jeff Myers Solo Album or what it's going to be called. But look for that and get out there and get vaccinated and go out and see some live music. Because the musicians are depending on us, and they've been hanging on by their fingernails through this entire COVID thing. And check out Thursday's Gusto, and check out next Thursday's Gusto for your entire listing of theater stuff that's coming up. I I, I hope they continue this theater page where it's got all the theaters listed. Thank you so much for doing that, Tony Ruberto, or, or Jeff, or all of the editors of the Buffalo News, whoever approved that, thumbs up. And I'll be back in a couple of weeks, and as promised, when I was interviewing David Lamb, founder and genius behind the Cavanoke Theater, now called Deauville's Cavanoke, when I was interviewing him for the History Podcast, I said to myself, and I said to him, this is so damn good, I'm going to play the whole thing at some point. And this is the point. So the entire David Lamb interview about how he came here from England, how he single-handedly gave birth to the small theater revolution here in Buffalo, his connections, his connections to the O'Neills, his connection to his lovely wife, Marcia, it's all going to be on the next podcast. The David Lamb interview in full in two weeks. And don't forget that Hand to God is going to reopen Road Less Travel's production of Hand to God is going to reopen on November 4th. So look forward to that and look forward to the long-promised David Lamb interview next time here on RLTP's Off-Road with me, Pete Pomisano. Pomisano.